0: Hello, it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. This is part two of my dear friend, Jess Ponce, who is an international media trainer and speaker and has been so influential in my career. And I'm so grateful he's coming back. And he has a new book and it's called Awesome. And it is seven keys to unlock the speaker within. Hello, Jess.
1: Hey, Denise, I'm so glad to be here. Anytime I get to chat with you is always a joy.
0: I don't know what we would have done in this COVID year without Zoom. That's all I can say to people. (laughs) And as we're going back in, the reason I wanted you on, Jess, and congratulations on your wonderful new book. Thank you. It's wonderful. As people have been I mean, everyone teases about it on Facebook or anywhere. People have worn sweatpants for a year. I mean, how people have worked from home. As as you said in our last podcast, at this time, interviews and presentations, have they become a little more relaxed? Well, sometimes because people had Uncle Harry walking through the back, you know, in his bathroom getting a cup of coffee when they were trying to make their points. But when I read about your new book, I just thought, as we're all trying to go back into society, if you want to say, and now we may be going back into the office, we may be going back into a workplace, we may be going to a new workplace, your tips work everywhere. Everywhere, Jess. They work in everyday life. That's what I think is important. These aren't just for someone who's going to be on TV. These are for people that are just trying to, um, you know, sell their ideas, get their point across, be a more effective communicator.
1: Yeah, and I I think when you mention the the way that we are moving forward is that Zoom isn't going to go anywhere, and what we're going to find in situations are those which have both Zoom and in-person audiences. So how do you navigate that when you're looking at somebody in a conference room who's there for a meeting? You might have, let's say, five people. Then there is a monitor there that has 20 people who are Zooming in from their homes. So you're navigating a medium, two different mediums, live, in-person, and also something that is on a screen on a computer, but you still need to have your messages on point. Now, a lot of people, when I start working with them, say, oh, it's really easy for me to communicate to one person. Well, that is true. And the reason is, is that when you have one person, you have a very basic communication cycle. So follow me here for a second. There are four elements in the communication cycle. There is a sender, there is a receiver. The sender gives a message to the receiver. The receiver then gives feedback to the sender. So the four pieces are the sender, the receiver, the message, and feedback. So in a dynamic like you and I right now, I can see you smiling. I hear your gestures. That's feedbacks for comments that I'm giving. In a room where you have people live in front of you, you are able to to get the feedback in terms of their energy are they looking at you are they smiling are they laughing are they doing the oohs and ahs are they asking questions when we got to zoom we also had to pay attention to those cues as well as be forgivable for uncle harry walking in the background or the crying baby or the the meowing cat because we had to realize that these people had a context, they were in an environment that may be distracting to them. And so on many levels, Zoom made us better speakers and we may not even realize this.
0: Oh, Jess, that's very interesting. Yes, I see what you're saying.
1: Yeah, because because we had to take into consideration what the audience was experiencing and what each individual audience member was experiencing. Now, for some of us, those distractions became entertaining. They relaxed us, they created a new context. Now, here's the downside of what (laughs) Zoom also did to us. It made us multitask more when we were speaking. So. A lot of times when people are on zoom, you'd see all of these people who are, you know, might have their, their camera closed, you just see their name, which, let me tell you, anybody who's doing that in a meeting, stop right now, give the person, or give the people in your meeting the respect that they deserve, and turn your camera on, don't be hidden. Okay. Now that that's my PSA there. But what, what, what has happened with Zoom is when people were speaking, they were multitasking. So they're looking at emails, they're looking at a document, and all of these different things. And that presents a challenge as a speaker, because when you are in front of a room, you're not going to have that same flexibility. And when you're in person at the office, you're not going to be able to take the five minutes to go check on the cat or Uncle Bob or your child you're gonna to have to be present in a different way. So what Zoom did is made us better speakers because we were aware that the audience had different things and we had to uh, be present with them when we can, but as audience members, it also allowed us to be more distracted.
0: Yes, very good point, very good point. What are, what do you, when you watch people, I, I, just when you're training with someone if you if someone came to you and they and it was as simple as but in, important that they were going for the most important job of their life interview okay something that could really really i mean i've had one or two of those and once or twice i was successful <laughs> once or twice i failed miserably I do believe when I was at Capitol Records for this really fancy private chef job, this is years ago, and I was telling the director of human resources, the questions that I thought she could ask me, or should ask me, she took my resume and kind of closed my portfolio and said, you might want to think about working for yourself. Honest to God, it just she and at the moment that it happened there, I remember thinking, I'm not going to get this job. I'm not going to get this job. (laughs) No, I wasn't going to get this job. But what and I'm not mean to put you on the spot, but I know you have so many tips. What about tell me what you think people should be thinking of and improving?
1: Okay. so I think if you're going for the job interview of your life. First thing you need to do is to embrace fear. And we had mentioned this before because fear is energy. And fear is also an indicator that whatever you're doing is important to you. So acknowledge that, be okay with that. Second thing is to tell stories. So often, people will honestly read their resume or just kind of go through the points and say something like, Oh, I'm a team player. Well, If you were on a date and somebody said, oh, I'm a good lover, I mean, (laughs) you might laugh or, oh, I'm a really nice guy or I'm a really nice, you know, woman, you're going to laugh at that, right? The way that you can exemplify being a team player is through storytelling. An example would be, oh, let me tell you about a time when I had to mobilize my team because we were... Uh, performing under quota for sales. And I took these three steps and what we did is we all gathered together and did blah, blah, blah. So storytelling is gonna be far better than summarizing your skills. Number uh, three is to remember that the person you're talking to is another human being. And I know that seems kind of obvious, But what we end up doing when the stakes are really high and we really want this job is we objectify this person. This person represents to me like a deity. They're like the gatekeeper. If I don't get through her, my life is over and I'm never gonna be anything because this is the job I need to have. Wow. Excellent, Excellent. you're absolutely right. And so you just need to treat that person as another individual. And, you know, look at the way that they're smiling, engage them, uh, see if there's a a touch point. I mean, and I don't mean physically touch the individual, but like a emotional touch point where the two of you might bond or or connect. Because what you want to do in a job interview is you do not only want to inform them about who you are, you want to connect with them. Because at the end of the day, that person who you're speaking to is summarizing whether or not you are the right fit for that corporate culture. Likewise, you have to think about, um, are they the right fit for me? Or have I idealized this? So a, a bottom line for this really is to be present in the moment and engaging.
0: See, now you just said something so important, Jess. I went, now, two things. One, I used to be afraid of not having work, okay? I mean, I really was. There's so many reasons we can't, I don't have a couch to lay down on and you're not (laughs) not to practice psychiatry without a license. But I'm just saying, I was always afraid of not having work. Mm -hmm. When my career changed and when my business changed was when I was able to really, exactly what you're talking about, the right fit. That when people called me for jobs, And even though they were offering me so much money, it seemed like in those days or whatever it was, I learned that if it wasn't a good fit, then it was not going to be a win-win situation. And it really, one, it made me a better boss. It made me a better stylist. It made me a better producer. It made me a better writer because I learned that if it's, they, what they wanted from me, hopefully I would be able to produce that correctly, but also I needed things from them. Do you know what I mean? It's employee and employee they, it they need to help each other. They need to support each other. It's not just about, and if you're just there for the check, which I did once in my career, and it was like oh, almost, Cindy was there. It was called a suicide mission, mission but anyway. Once we got through that, that was the biggest lesson, one of the biggest lessons I ever learned. Okay. So, what you're saying is so valuable. And if people interviewing, so if you humanize the person that could hire you
1: mm-hmm. and
0: connect with them on a human thing, your chances are going to have a better fit. Is
1: that Absolutely. what you're, you're Absolutely. So Absolutely. Because, you know, that individual is there to do a job as well. And they, you know, it's an exchange that on some level should be even. And instead of thinking it as an even exchange, you're putting them on such a pedestal. And we do this in so many different ways. And when you mention about this idea of taking work because of the money, I get it. We've all been there. We've we've all been there. And, and, and we have to weigh, we have to weigh the value of it. On one hand, there is the money. On the other hand, bottom line is self-respect yes. and and also integrity. And how is this going to help you? I, I see this come out when people are speaking in, and they're doing job interviews is when they're saying yes, they can to things that are not really what they're proficient at. And I think if you try to be everything to everyone, you dilute what makes you special. Ah. So think about what what is the most valuable thing that I have inside? Maybe it's a skill set, and I think that's a good thing to look at, but maybe there's also a character trait that is extremely valuable to you. It is up to you when you're doing that job interview to communicate because they don't know anything about you and you are the best person to speak about yourself. And if you can't figure that out, then we've got some problems.
0: Jess, that is such good advice. I need to tell you. Um, Oh, Cindy has a question for us, but I need to tell you. Yes. One second. When people, after I'd been interviewed for a couple of things, meaning jobs or companies I worked with, I, they used to say, Denise, what's your strongest, you know, what's your strongest feature or what are you really good at? And I would say perseverance, because that really, I just don't give up. But I really, after I got to know the person, I'd say, I'll come to work with a bullet in my leg, okay? (laughs) And that's because it's true. Do you know what I mean? So, But I used to think, I always, I think this all the time. And when I worked with other people, I think if you're a good manager or something, you really wanna play to people's strengths and not their weaknesses. And when you talk about accepting jobs, you're not as strong at, or trying to, working so hard that you do dilute your own power. That's what
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Now, Ms. Cindy, you sent me a, a, I couldn't read it. What did you say to us? Cindy had a good question for you, Jess.
1: Uh, I see it here. So how do you tell an interviewer you aren't sufficient in something?
0: <gasps> Brilliant, Cindy, yeah.
1: So I think there's a there's a skill to this. I always like to call it tap and go. So other, other coaches will say this whole idea of pivot. And I think that we need to reevaluate that idea of pivot because I think you need to address it to a certain degree and then take it to a string. Let me give you an example. In the world of traditional politics, not the ones that we've had over the last eight years, you would see politicians skillfully Uh, speak to an issue that they were really strong. So for example, I may not be strong in welfare, but I'm really strong in education. And I I received a question about welfare. Well, welfare is really important because welfare comes down to our future and our children. And if you look at my education platform, I'm really strong and I want to invest in education so that welfare doesn't need to exist in the same way that it does. My education platform is boom, 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 boom. So if you aren't sufficient in something, you can honestly just admit it and say to them, you know what, that may not be, that's an area where I find some challenges. The way that I work with challenges is through doing more education, uh, working on the skills that I have that I think are really good. And let me share a story with you, blah, 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 blah. So while this may not be my strongest suit, what I really do is I dedicate to improving myself by these sorts of actions. I think so you, I,
0: I think you cut them off at the past, Jeff, and made a better and made a better trail for them with that answer. Yeah. That's, that was brilliant.
1: You know. Yeah, because you know, at the end of the day, you, you also have to kind of put yourself in the other person's shoes because, you know, if they hire somebody who said yes, yes, yes. And, or I'm sorry, if they forwarded this candidate, let's say you're talking to an HR person, and the candidate was a yes, yes, yes. And they seemed like they were great on paper, but they failed. Then, you know, that looks bad on you as the HR manager. However, if you forwarded somebody who, hey, admitted and was honest, but also gave you reason to believe that she or he could perform better and that they were somebody who wanted to better themselves and hey you're winning because you forwarded somebody that the company can invest in.
0: Miss Cindy I have a mute thing in my um up in my thing did you mute me no maybe you mute, but you can hear me I just have you know sometimes Jess she she like ductates me to a chair and says, you're not going to do this anymore. Okay, so I just, I'm just checking. I'm just
1: checking. Uh, well, you know, Denise, if you didn't ask for it once, you know, I- then she might not keep doing it.
0: Now listen, I have this question. Did you take this valuable time? I mean, I look at this COVID time. I know it's been horrible for so many people. I'm not making light of the negatives, please. I know it's been horrible. If I'd had three kids and I'd had to be home all year long, um, you know, uh, trying to homeschool them, doing my job and everything. I'm sure what I would have done is try to buy all the old Oprah shows and just play them and tell the children, we're going to college, we're going to Oprah's school of life, sit down and watch these, eat something healthy kids. Now, here's my question. Did you take this COVID time and decide to write another book? I mean, I, I didn't even know you were working on the second book, but I just ask you. So you took a difficult time and made it really worthwhile. I mean, I'm impressed.
1: The book was released in Taiwan in the Mandarin language. Perfect. Though I wrote the book in English. What I did is I rewrote it for the English speaking market here in the US because there are are certain nuances and structure that fit better and was able to integrate this experience that I was going through with COVID into it. Um, And I think for all of us, COVID has been such an interesting time in general because for entrepreneurs and for most executives, there is one survival that we've all had to face, just how are we getting through this? whether it is a layoff or lost clients or lost opportunities. And then second, what is the potential? You know, where, where, where can I be tomorrow? Um, I'm happy to say that I actually started writing a third book, which is based on conflict, which I'm trying to fast track. I don't know if I'm going to be able to, but that'll probably come out in 2022. Um, but I, I've been so inspired by so many people who've innovated during this time of COVID Uh, You know, speakers who've gone virtual, coaches who have gone virtual, uh, the way that uh, executives are working remotely, the way streaming in our entertainment business has saved major companies. And and I look forward to, you know, live events. I, I, um, and I know this is not what we're speaking about, but I predict in the roaring 2020s (laughs) or the roaring 20s of this decade that live events are going to have a huge comeback in 2022. And we're all going to be partying out and doing live things as much as possible.
0: I know this, Jess, I'm never going to take for granted the freedoms that i had had all my life before COVID. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. As simple as it's all the simplest they can having, as you said, having a cup of coffee with a dear friend. I mean, I, of the times that before COVID, Kenny and I would say, oh, so-and-so wants to have dinner, and we, we would both say, oh, not tonight, do you know what I mean, or maybe this weekend, but that's not going to happen anymore, or saying, I want to go visit someone. And then you just don't do it because you're lazy or you, whatever the reason, you know what I mean? Or your car is dirty, or you have to put on lipstick or whatever your reason. I I agree with you. I think that there has been a real learning curve in COVID. And, but I certainly, um, and I, and, and those, as always, people that are really industrious, found ways to survive. Do you, you know what I'm saying? It's not not for everyone, but it certainly can be, fear can be a great motivator.
1: It, and you know, it, it, it's a great motivator, you know, because I think everybody, you know, here's the thing that COVID did, I believe, it equalized all of us.
0: Very good point, very
1: good point. You know, because we all, I mean, you know, some people who, Are trying to buck the system and go out without their mask or or, you know believe that it was what it was i I don't even want to give go down that route but Mm -hmm. the reality is is all of us were vulnerable and it, it touched on all of our humanity and so connection which you know i mentioned before is a huge part of the way that we communicate and we so value that connection now and and being able to see somebody's face like what a delight it is to see you and Cindy right now, and I'm sitting here. And just to see your smile makes me, you know, warm inside. And I think that's what technology, in terms of Zoom and other um, video conferencing technologies, allowed us to do is to be able to see people's faces. Now, I do think people are zoomed out. I know for myself, I'm like, can't we just do a phone call sometimes? But <laughs> the idea is without seeing people's faces, without hearing people's voices, without being able to react to a smile or a grin or even, a, yeah, we aren't the same people. And I think on the other side of this, we're going to be even more connected and uh, have a bigger desire to communicate and connect with people as much as possible.
0: Well, Jess, Thank you so much. I, I, this was helpful to me. And I'm not going on the <laughs> job interview. But I'll tell you, I do think that And your next book on conflict, which has got to be one of the things that people are the most afraid of. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have friends all the time that say, well, I'll say, did you contact them later? That was wrong. Or did you get a refund? No, I didn't want the conflict. That's a brilliant idea. So thank you so much for today. Again, if people want to reach out to Jess, we always have on our Facebook page, and Cindy makes these great ads, these cute little ads with our pictures in it, and we give them all the information how to reach you, Jess. So thank you. Go to our Facebook page, Women Beyond. um, A Certain Age on Facebook, womenbeyond.com. We have a website where Cindy archives the... um, the previous podcast and all sorts of information when she has time. Okay. All the time. Isn't that true, Cindy? No, uh, Cindy's oh, see. I did so well on the last one. I just <laughs> went my head. Anyway, you can find us. And if you want to reach us, you go to women at iCloud.com and send us a message or a thank you or a critique or how we've been getting and this is really makes me happy. it shows how we are growing um, but we've had some people now pitching us the most interesting guests you've ever heard of Jess I mean really interesting mm. guests. yeah just goes to show you, so I'm grateful for that. So thank you, Jess, for everything and continued success to you. I'll see you soon, I know. And Ms. Thank, you. thank you for everything you do. And aren't we the luckiest? Indeed. Okay. Women beyond a certain age. Thank you, Bye bye People should really see us with our jazz hands. At the end.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you should do like a-